0: Well, please uh, do have your Bibles open uh, on, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, page 987 uh, in the church Bibles. Okay, and we'll be looking at this uh, passage together. Here's a question for you. Um, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? What is the good news of Jesus Christ? you're allowed to answer okay so what is the gospel if i were to ask you what is it what are you going to say good news what's the good news sorry gone i think jesus dying on the cross okay anything else can we add anything else to this Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners whom I'm chief accent can we add anything else what is the good news instructions yep so instruction on how to live in the bible anything else what's the good news what's the gospel yeah we've got eternal life uh, through trusting uh, and believing in the lord jesus why do i ask that why do i say what is the gospel Many people uh, would say, rightly say, well, it's the good news. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Absolutely. That is the gospel. And by trusting in the Lord Jesus, yes, you have eternal life. That is the gospel. But does the good news of what Jesus Christ came to do, does it finish when you trusted him? When you were converted and trusted in the Lord Jesus, Is that the end of the gospel? Is that the finishing point? I'm seeing shaking heads. No, it's not. It's not the finish when you become a Christian. The gospel carries on. It's good news that God makes you something new. He turns you into something different. And for the rest of your life, it's as much part of the gospel that you are being made holy. When you trusted in Christ, it was just the beginning. God is now continuing his good work in you and making you holy. You're a new person. We see that in so many verses in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Ephesians 2.10 For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. What are we created for? For good works that we should walk in them. Philippians chapter 1. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. The gospel, the good news, is that God takes you a sinner and makes you holy. It carries on after you're converted. The gospel has transformed everything in your life. If you have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, everything is transformed. Have you realised that? Every aspect of your life, every part of your life, is to be completely changed by the fact that you've trusted in the Lord Jesus. Nothing remains untouched. Everything is made new when you became a christian and trusted in the lord jesus you sacrificed everything to jesus christ you said nothing belongs to me anymore i belong to jesus christ every single area of your life your ambitions you surrendered to Jesus Christ. Your hobbies, you surrendered to Jesus Christ. Your free time, the evening where you sit down, you think, oh, this evening is for me. Well, that belongs to Jesus Christ now. Everything belongs to him. What does Paul say in Galatians chapter two? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. If you're a Christian, everything is changed by that fact that Jesus died and rose again and you've trusted him. Your life cannot be the same anymore. Well, it's happened in Thessalonica. We can read about it in Acts chapter 17 how Paul goes to Thessalonica. He's there for just a short time, but the gospel has come in great power. A people that worshipped false gods that were immersed in immoral culture. They've been utterly transformed. They no longer worship those false gods. A church has been formed. They seek to worship God. And it's known throughout all the region what has happened. Their lives have been completely changed. The gospel has come in power to Thessalonica. And they are waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. The gospel has come, but they're waiting for Jesus Christ to come again. As you read 1 Thessalonians time and again, it speaks about the return of Jesus Christ. So in the past, the gospel has come. They've trusted in the Lord Jesus. In the future, Jesus is coming again. But how are they to live now? What does it look like? to live in the light of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross and in the light of the fact that Jesus is coming again, what does daily life look like for the Christians in Thessalonica? We read in chapter 4, verse 1, you ought to walk and to please God. Your Christian life should be a daily walk with God. Every day walking with God. You cannot box up your Christian life. You cannot say, well, I'll come to church, I'll come to the midweek meeting, I'll get involved with uh, whatever uh, work you're involved with, whatever ministry you're involved with, and then when I go home, that time is for me. No. Every moment of every day, you're to walk with God. As we read these uh, 12 verses, we see what your walk with God should look like. What should your walk, your daily walk with God, look like? Three points uh, from these 12 verses. Firstly, walk before God, be holy. Walk before God, be holy. If you're a Christian, you should be holy. Your life should be one of holiness. Why? God commands you to be holy. This isn't the Apostle Paul commanding them to be holy. It is God commanding them be holy. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. God commands it. You are to be holy. This is not a command from men. This isn't an option. It is a command of God. If you're a Christian, be holy. Be separate from sin. That is, say no to sin. Remove sin. Do all that you can to flee from sin, Be separate from sin and be joined to God. Be holy. Say no to sin. Well, in the Roman days, there's a particular sin that you can read uh, in many of the letters that was a problem uh, in the churches. And we read of it here. God commands you to be separate from sin, particularly regarding sexual purity and we read this in the first eight verses here for this is the will of God your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality have times changed is this sin no longer a problem in today's culture look at the world around this sin is still so prevalent in the world around us. And God says that is not for you as a Christian. The world is immoral and impure. If you're a Christian, you leave that behind. You cannot have anything to do with it. In what you do, your actions are to be pure. But Jesus takes it further, doesn't he? He says, if any of you look at a woman in lust you've committed adultery in your heart have nothing to do with it in action or in thought you must be pure it's how the world live the world around are immoral and impure that is not for a christian that is not for you as a christian Are you pure in action? Are you pure. In what you feed your mind on. Is what you watch. Helping you to think pure thoughts. Or is it helping you to think impure thoughts? Is what you browse helping you to think pure thoughts or. Impure thoughts is what you read, of the celebrities around. Is it helping you to think? Pure thoughts or impure thoughts? You're a Christian, you've been transformed by the gospel, you're to be holy, particularly in this area. God commands you be separate from sin, particularly in sexual purity, but generally you are not to follow the lusts of your own heart. Verse 5 Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Don't follow. Your lusts and desires, it got Eve into trouble. She lusted, she saw the fruit, it looked good, it was desirable. She took it, she ate it, and the world was spoiled. You're not to follow the desires and lusts of your own heart. Whether that desire is to be angry, or whether that desire is to eat too much and to be gluttonous, that isn't how you're to live you're not to follow your lusts particularly uh, regards immorality you're to live a self-controlled life you're to be holy that is what god commands you if you're not holy the gospel has had no effect on your life the gospel's had no effect if you're not holy it's how unbelievers walk not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do, not lo- who do not know God. If you're not serious about holiness, you are no different from those outside in the world around. The world around, the Gentiles, unbelievers, are not serious about being holy for- to God. If you're not serious about living a holy life, you're just the same as the world ran the gospel has had no effect on your life. And God takes refusal refusal to be holy seriously. That no one should take advantage of that no one should take advantage uh, of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. There are consequences if you do not take holiness seriously. You cannot be punished if you're a Christian. You cannot be punished for your wrong. But you will face consequences if you are not serious about living a holy life. Look at verse 8. Therefore he who rejects this does not reject man but God. who has has also given us his Holy Spirit. You're denying the gospel if you're not holy. God has given you his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps you to live the life that you should, to live a holy life. If you're not serious about living that life, you're denying the power of the Holy Spirit. You're denying the gospel of God. So walk before God, be holy. God commands you to do it. The Gospels had no effect if you're not holy. You must be active and not passive when it comes to holiness. You must be active and not passive when it comes to holiness. You cannot drift towards holiness. The Bible is so clear. You cannot just go on without actively thinking, how am I to be holy? You cannot drift and become more holy. The Bible's clear. You drift away from holiness. Don't say, well, God has saved me. He will make me holy. Therefore, I'm not going to do anything. That is not an argument that you can use. You are to be active. You should abstain. You are to be active In being holy. Imagine there's a great lake and you need to get across the lake. You can't swim, it's too far. So you need a boat to get across the lake. And there's there's the boat, the rowing boat will get you across the lake. And so you get in the boat and you row across the lake. What has it what is it that has got you across that lake? It's the boat. You could not get across that lake without the boat. You cannot become more holy without God. You need God to work in you to make you more holy. But you have to get into the boat and pull the oars. You cannot become more holy without God's help. But you have a responsibility to seek to live a holy life. You cannot drift towards holiness you've got to get into the boat to make the to allow the boat to get you across the lake so what does a daily christian walk look like every minute of every day for you should be one of holiness you should walk before god and be holy all the time secondly uh, and we see this in verses 9 and 10 Walk before each other, be loving. Walk before each other, be loving. This is what characterises a Christian. A Christian is someone who loves. If you are a Christian, you are to love. A Christian life is not about what gifts God has given you. God has given you gifts for you to use. But gifts are insignificant when it comes to this area. You must love, that is primary. You must love each other. 1 Corinthians 13, it will tell you that. You can have gifts, you can, it says you can prophesy, you can speak in tongues, but if you don't love, you're nothing. You are to be loving to one another as Christians, and that should be your daily experience. You're taught by God. What does it say in verse 9? But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. It is the natural response to becoming a Christian. It's your natural response to becoming a Christian. You have understood what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross. You've seen the love of Jesus Christ that took him from heaven that took him to the cross, that he died for you, your natural response, you don't need me to tell you this because you know you're to love one another because Christ has loved you. You've no need uh, that I should write to you for you yourselves are taught by God. You don't need me to tell you that you should love one another. You know you should love one another. Your love must be sacrificial. In verse 9, we read, but concerning brotherly love. That love speaks about the love that there is in a family. It's a different word to the word that's used at the end of verse 9, to love one another. There's a love because you're part of God's family. When you become a Christian, you love each other, As brothers and sisters, you're part of God's family. But it goes further than that. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. That second word, love, is agape love. That is sacrificial love. Love that moves you to action. That is the love that moved Jesus Christ to act because we needed a savior. That is the love that moved him to go to the cross and pay for your sins on the cross. Love that was sacrificial, that was active. Your love must be active. It must be sacrificial. It must be active. Around you, uh, you've got fellow believers, fellow Christians, who have been bought by the blood of Christ. What are you doing to love them? What are you doing to love each other? Actively, sacrificially. This isn't just saying, well, I love them because they're part of my family. This is saying, I love them, and it's going to move me to sacrifice for them and love them actively. Are you actively loving Uh, other Christians you must love all Christians verse 10 and indeed you do so towards all the brethren who are in Macedonia they loved each other it was known it was known that these Christians in Thessalonica loved each other but it seems that they loved Christians that they'd never met we're told they and so you do towards all the brethren who are in Macedonia Had they met all the brethren that were in Macedonia? Most likely not. And yet they loved them. They loved them because they were part of God's family and that love was going to move them to action. Do you love all other Christians? That's difficult, isn't it? Because there are some that you're drawn to. Some people you're drawn to and you think, yes, we naturally get on. It's easy to love them. Perhaps they love you back. But if someone's a Christian, they've been bought by the blood of Christ, you are to love them, no matter how difficult it is, no matter whether they never repay you, you're to love them. And your love is to be active. You are to sacrifice actively For them your love must increase your love must increase but we urge you brethren that you increase more and more the Thessalonian Christians they were known to love each other and yet Paul still tells them your love must increase you'd have said they were strong in this area they do love they love all the Christians in Macedonia and Paul still says it's got to grow. Your love has got to grow. No matter what stage you are in your Christian walk, whether you've been a Christian one year, your love should grow. If you've been a Christian 50 years, your love should continue to grow. As you understand more of what Christ has done, your love for other Christians must grow. top sportsmen and top sportswomen are always seeking to improve. Why do some of them stay at the very top of their sport for such a long time? If you listen uh, about their life, you'll find a common factor. They are constantly training, constantly seeking to improve, constantly seeking to learn new skills so that they can stay at the very top of their sport. They know that if they don't do that and they stand still, others will pass them and they'll no longer be the best. You hear of businesses that shut because they didn't move with the times. Maybe they failed to embrace online sales and the business shuts because it was static. Christians, you are not to be static. You are always seeking to grow your love for one another. You must increase in your love. God has saved you. He's working on you. You cannot stand still. So what does a Christian life look like? Walk before God, be holy. Walk before each other, be loving. And walk before unbelievers, be a witness. And we see this in verses 10 and 11. Your conduct is key. Your conduct is vital. If you are to win other people to Christ, your conduct is crucial. Your witness can be damaged by a life that is not lived right. You can say all the right things. You can understand the gospel so clearly. You can present it clearly to your unbelieving friends. But if your life is not right, your witness will be damaged. You can read in chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians how Paul conducted himself in the first 12 verses. You read how Paul conducted himself when he came to Thessalonica. And his life backed up what he was saying. So that when he preached the gospel, the Thessalonians, they knew it to be true because his life was in line with what he was saying. Your conduct is key if you want to reach other people with the gospel. What does it say? Aspire to lead a quiet life. Live quietly. What does this mean? Live to please God. But do not seek to deliberately offend others. Your life will offend others. If you are to live holy and right before God, others will feel uncomfortable. They will be offended. But you're not to go out of your way to offend others. You are to live before God. Live to please God. Don't actively seek strife. There might be strife because you are living a holy life and you are living differently, but don't look for it. Live before God. Seek to live right in God's eyes. So live quietly. Don't meddle. Don't meddle. What does it say? Lead a quiet life to mind your own business. Don't meddle with other people's affairs. Your walk is... Is primary it's so easy isn't it to see where other people need to improve they need to sort this area out in their life they need to stop doing this and start doing this and if they did that they'd be a much better Christian it's so easy to have that kind of attitude don't meddle your walk is primary You live your life before God. You seek to please God in the way that you live. Jesus says it, doesn't he? To the Pharisees, hypocrites. You know, you look at the speck in other people's eyes and you don't see the plank in your own eyes. Deal with your life first. Sort your life out. Make sure your life, your walk is right before God don't meddle work hard to work with your own hands as we commanded you work hard whatever you do in life work hard at it that is a witness there are some in Thessalonica who said well Jesus Christ is coming again our future secure we've become Christians Jesus is coming again. I'll give up work. Why do I need to bother working? Jesus is coming, and it caused strain. Other Christians would have to support them uh, as they couldn't uh, live. No, the pattern of the Christian life is hard work. Work hard, whatever you do. It saves you from meddling in other people's affairs. If you flick over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11... For we hear that there are some who walk among among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. If you work hard, it saves you meddling in other people's affairs. Work hard is a witness to those who are outside. Why should non-Christians look at your life, a life of laziness, and say, well, if that's what the gospel does, it just makes them lazy, why should I trust the gospel? A non-Christian should look at your life and say, the gospel makes them hard-working, diligent, and it should be attractive. If you're lazy, it's not attractive for a non-Christian. Why should they become a Christian? It just makes you lazy. But the gospel is free we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 at verse 9 this is what Paul says for you remember brethren our labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you we preach to you the gospel of God Paul worked hard that he might preach to them the gospel of God free of charge Work hard so that you can preach the gospel free of charge. It may mean that your hard work enables you to give and support someone to be full time in Christian work. It may mean uh, that your hard work means that you're able to give so that you can put on evangelistic events free of charge. The gospel is free, so work hard. This conduct will give you a good testimony, a quiet life, a non-interfering life, but a hard-working life. It will give you a good testimony before others, so that when you seek to share the gospel, others will not be able to say, but look at your life. Your life does not line up with what you are saying. You can read in Genesis chapter 19 of Lot. Lot lived in Sodom, and Sodom and Gomorrah were going to be destroyed. Lot knew this, and so he went to the people, he went to his sons-in-law, and he said, get out of the city with me. Sodom is about to be destroyed. But what does it say? It said that Lot seemed to be joking to his sons-in-law Lot knew the truth he knew that judgment was coming he knew there was a way of escape to get out of that city but Lot dwelt in Sodom he sat in the gate he was ingrained in the culture of Sodom and so when Lot came to be serious about serious things he seemed to be joking and his sons-in-law didn't believe him Your life must, your conduct must be right. It's key. Your witness will be damaged if you do not live right before God. When it comes to speaking to others of serious issues, of eternal issues, of heaven and hell, if your life is not right, you'll seem to be joking. Why should we do what you say? Look at what your life is like. So walk before unbelievers in your conduct and be a witness. So what does a daily Christian walk look like? Your life must be every day you must seek to be holy, actively thinking, what can I do to be more holy, to be more like the Lord Jesus? Your life must be one of love For other Christians, daily, sacrificial, not expecting anything in return for all other Christians. And your life, your conduct must be right before unbelievers. You must work hard. You must not seek strife. So that when you come to share the gospel, your testimony is not damaged by the life that you live. Is that your life on Sundays, on Mondays, Tuesdays, every day, are you seeking to walk with God and be close with him? You must, that is the Christian walk. And the gospel, it's come in power. If you've been saved, your life must be different, completely different to what it was before. Let's close by singing uh, 742. It will be on the screen uh, behind me. Uh, Take time to be holy. Speak oft with your Lord. Abide in him always and feed on his words.